You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. This is a space where we seek to create and cultivate healthy conversations between those things we geek out on and the philosophical and theological questions that often arise out of our fandoms. Like, what does it mean to be human? What makes a hero? What makes a villain? How do the stories and narratives we geek out on shape how we live in the world? We are your priest to the geeks. We aren't all ordained, but we see ourselves as mediators at the intersection of geek culture and going deeper in our faith. We don't always have to agree, but we do respect each other and we see everyone as a beloved child of God. Everyone geeks out on something, so come geek out with us and enjoy the show. All right, it's time for a What's New episode, everyone. Is it possible to reconcile with your father after he literally used your body to kill a bunch of people and called your mother a pet? What's new in the fantasy world of the inheritance cycle? And are we excited to web sling through New York City again? We'll be discussing all of this and more in our today's episode of What's New. I'm your host, Christian Ashley, and I am, of course, joined by James Dimmel. How are you doing, James? I am doing super well. Glad to be here. And in fact, uh, I'm sure some of you may know this already, but James has uh, just gone through a wonderful landmark in life as he flashes the ring, the bling in front of everyone else. James, how you feeling? How's married life? Married life is is going great. She's always here now, so that's that's a blessing. And uh, and we're we're adjusting. We're we're learning some rhythms. But we uh, had a super great honeymoon. And uh, actually, my what's new topic uh, for tonight is what I brought with me on the plane. So <laughs> uh, that's uh, that was that was that's my what's new tonight. So I'm I'm excited to share my honeymoon read with everyone this evening. Perfect. Yeah, and I was so excited to talk about that. I forgot to say, this is Systematic Geekology. We are the priests of the geeks. And you know what, Christian, James, we're here for you tonight. We're here to have fun. And in order to do that, we're going to start with, of course, our lightning round. All right, I'll go first. And, uh, oh, one thing I should mention that we were supposed to have other topics tonight. Uh, Nick was supposed to join us. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to come. He double booked himself. You know, one of those things that just kind of happens when you're a busy man doing important things. You know, sometimes you can't show up whenever you want to. So uh, just show some love to Nick. Tell him how, how, how much you love him in the comments below. And we'll go, like I said, into our lo- lightning round proper. And I'm going to start, of course, with my boy, Ultraman Blazar. Uh, we are about four or five episodes away from the finale of this. And I am loving this show so much, James. I don't know. Are you an Ultraman guy at all? Do you know what's going on here? No, I have no idea. But I know Ultraman is sort of like the OG, like anime, manga, like hero for one of them. Yeah, there has been an anime before. He started off live action, uh, kind of that big tokusatsu thing of like, uh, you know, people in suits fighting each other. Uh, you know, him, Common Rider, and some of the kaiju films as well with Godzilla. Um, this Ultraman Blazar is the newest one in like 20, 30 some different shows. I lose track sometimes. I've seen them all, but I'm loving this one so much. Like I've talked on a couple other what's news about it. Uh, this gives him a, because uh, all Ultraman are different, James, in different shows. Uh, Blazar has a bit of a different personality than everyone else. He's kind of like a, like a hunter uh as well but also kind of a person who's like gets really hyped in the fights like just jumps up and down in celebration when he does a really cool move or something like that it's a lot of fun because like they don't speak when they're in the ultra form uh it's typically uh the ultra alien you know bonded with a human and you know human normally lives his life then he'll appear as Ultraman for a little bit kind of like your older captain marvel with you know rick jones would be in the negative zone sometimes or it would be you know marvel himself Kind of that gist, but really loving Ultraman, Blazar. James, your topic. My topic for our lightning round this evening is the new Mario Brothers game that just came out, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, uh, which has been a delightful uh, a way to uh, spend some time over the past month for me. And um, it, it's been a while since I've played a platformer like that, and it's fun to jump back into that world. It's very easily digestible. I mean, 
you can you can most levels take five to ten minutes if you're not a speed runner like me and <laughs> Uh, so it's something that's really easy to pick up, put down the plot. It's a, it's a Mario game. So the plot is super simple. You already know the plot and, um, it introduces a couple of new power-ups, including elephant Mario, which is super fun, uh, to play as, and I uh, don't want to give too much away, but definitely worth your time. If you're looking for a fun game, that's easy to pick up, put down and not get lost in, for hours and it's also the debut of the new uh, voice actor uh, for mario so um check that out i couldn't tell much of a difference uh but uh maybe some of you mario uh enthusiasts can an adult or voice actor retire yeah mm-hmm. okay charles martin yeah mm-hmm. okay I was trying to remember his name couldn't remember it for the life of me thank you for bringing that up yeah. the right. new actor uh, is uh, kevin afghani okay there you go Excellent. So next up for our lightning round is we got to keep with the giant monster theme, Monarch Legacy of Monsters. James, have you been checking this out at all? You know what's going on? I have not. I've heard about it, but please okay. tell us more. Uh, this is a spinoff of, you know, the Godzilla films and, you know, the Monarch first. One of the different ones they're trying to give a name for it. Uh, so the Godzilla 2014 versus Kong, all that. Uh, so... Our series here kind of takes place. We've seen the big G a couple of times, but for the most part, he's kind of been a figure in the background. It's mostly around the idea of this uh, a young woman who, during the uh, events of the 2014 film, when Godzilla smashes through the Golden Gate Bridge, if I remember correctly, she was on a school bus in there. She was a teacher, tried to get her students out, managed to get a couple, but a lot of them didn't make it. And so she's dealing with like, you know, a lot of PTSD involving, you know, uh, kaiju and it found come to find out her father has recently died and he had a secret family in japan and she's meeting her new half brother there uh trying to figure out oh well he was researching these kaiju what's this about our family oh no are we tied in some way to monarch the organization that's trying to track these guys down so we're about three episodes in it's really fun like as someone who doesn't really care about the human parts of the godzilla franchise i'm like just show me godzilla but beating the crap out of a giant monster in another suit. This is actually pretty well done for the most part. Interesting. Great. All right. So you want to move on to our main topics? Yes. Oh, here we go. Let's do it. Now that tells me you've been watching. I've been following along. Yeah. I've been hitting the highlights. Okay. So invincible. The second season has kind of been split into two different parts. The uh, first four episodes have already been released and they're going to release four more next year. Uh, James, take it away a little bit of some of the summary of what's been going on here, and I'll help you back you up. Ooh, uh, you want to take it from me. Um, okay. So, yeah, Invincible yeah. Uh, is back after the super huge cliffhanger at the end of season one, where Invincible confronts his father, Omni-Man, and uh, is dealing with the trauma of that and sort of the collective trauma of the whole earth, like losing its protector and, and being betrayed. And he uh, is now uh, in the most recent episode has uh, followed a summons to a different planet. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Christian, you can supplement, but like, um, I think it's like Thraxia or something like that. They're called Thraxans to people. Right, right, right. And it turns out Omni-Man is there and has used the call to get Mark there to try and, reconcile somewhat so christian what are your what's your take you you fill that in oh yeah um this has been filling in a lot of very fun parts i have not read the comics themselves i know a little bit of what happens just you know from spoilers that i don't really particularly care about spoilers anyway so all they do is enhance my hype for what i'm about to watch like things are going to get crazy from here guys like in a great show like things are going to continue being great um so at this point like mark and his mom uh, debbie I think is her name. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are both like dealing with the, the sense of we had a husband, we had a father for 20 some years and he wasn't the person we thought he was. He was someone completely different. And now they're both wrestling, you know, uh, with their grief and cause he's not dead, but it feels like he's gone. And like they, they're mourning someone they thought they knew someone they wished they knew better and all the trauma that comes with that, like we're getting some more from the other superheroes as well, especially Adam Eve, like learning like, hey, I've got this really cool ability, but if I don't apply it correctly, 
Right. Well, maybe there was a reason the city never gave, you know, an option for a building to be planted here or a park to be planted here. It's like, oh, no. In fact, that ground is kind of unstable and I got a lot of people killed. And then you've got the rest of the heroes like trying to become a different unit, like the old guardians of the globe are dead and they're like failures compared to them in their own minds. And then you have the the threat of the Viltrumites coming in, like how many of them are out there? Like, why haven't they attacked Earth yet? Why do they care so much about interbreeding with us? Why would Nolan create uh, Mark with his wife to, you know, make a hybrid child? All these questions are brought up. That's a lot of fun. I'm loving this show, man. Yeah, it seems it, it's it's super fun. Um, I watched the first episode just for funsies with my wife last night, and she did not like it so much. <laughs> she was into it. She was into it until the very uh, end. Yeah, yeah. Episode one and the very end of episode one are when the wheels start coming off, and this show shows um, it's. Let's just say it shows its guts, and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, Nicole, my wife, did not have a stomach for it. That's perfectly fine. Uh, Those aren't my favorite things in the world. Like, I'm not a, it's not a body horror kind of thing. It's more of a, like, seeing the guts and everything exposed. Like, uh, let's just say some people bite it in some very gruesome ways in the show. So if that's something you're not comfortable about, definitely avoid. Like, this isn't for everyone. Yeah. It's it's, it's sad to me because I feel like this show doesn't even, like, sometimes, uh, you know, that gore guts whatever gets employed as a way to like draw people in uh but this show doesn't need it because the writing is so great oh yeah uh, so and the, the themes it explores are so great so uh if, even if you don't have a stomach for it worth worth checking out the the highlights i'm sure someone out there on the internet has made a version or a cut of the show <laughs> <laughs> the clean cut yeah the clean cut of the show i'm sure it, I'm sure it exists on the internet i don't know this but i'm i'm just just a conjecture it's out there uh, i wouldn't be surprised now this is a not a deconstruction of like the superhero genre but like there are definitely some things like you'll notice some characters like a marvel pastiche or a dc pastiche and you go okay I see where you get your inspiration from. Like the guardians of the globe are basically the justice league of America. Um, plenty of others like uh, Damien dark or whatever his name is. Uh, the, the guy is basically demon from DC, plenty of others like uh, Mark kind of has. Um, yeah. Yeah. Omni man is basically Superman, but evil. And before that became a very terrible trope that has been abused by too many people. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it, but like we get to Omni Man himself in this show, and that's something that a lot of people, uh, it's hard to forgive someone like that. It's hard to think they deserve forgiveness. Well, guess what? No one does. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. But for Omni Man himself, like we watch him deal with this new feeling of guilt for what he's done to his family, to the people of Earth, and he's like, we get that great scene where the Viltrumites attack the uh, Thraxans and he's like, and they're dead. It's like, why do I care about these people? I shouldn't care. I'm above them. And yet there's something humanity has infected him a little bit. His family has infected him with this idea of loving other people, protecting them, wanting better for them. Mm-hmm. And due to his culture, he's not ready for it. But like, do you think, is it possible for Omni-Man to be redeemed, James? There are a lot of interesting questions here just around redemption as a theme in general. Is is redemption a carte blanche? I mean, do you just get to come back into the fold like nothing ever happened? Um, and that might be possible for Jesus. <laughs> a lot more difficult for us who lack the uh, the divinity of, of Christ, I think, to, to do that. So I think there is probably redemption out there for Omni-Man in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I, it, th- I mean, this, this is, this is the one of the most live questions I think of the show. Cause Omni-Man is such a compelling character. His relationship with Invincible, his son, Mark is so um, it, it's so complicated and it, it makes you want to come, come back and figure out what's going to happen. Omni-Man is one of those characters. I, as, as I watch the show, I want him to be redeemed um even yeah. though he's done some terrible terrible awful awful things because of his relationship with his son like i want to believe there's a chance for him to sort of figure that out of course redemption i think has to come hand in hand with accountability yes <laughs> but um i think there's a chance at least what about you now well said like 
it's one of those things like he was been on earth like for false pretenses for 20 years protecting people yeah like he stopped that giant monster from ra- rampaging through the city he stopped a super villain from taking over the world right those are all good things but like what right. was the ultimate goal behind it was probably this eugenicist kind of feeling of can we you know create our basically saiyans for this like uh in a very vegeta kind of sense of he hasn't gone full native like vegeta ultimately does but and but then his reactions with his family like we want him to reconcile with them because all the time he spent with them like did he actually mean it when he called his wife a pet did he actually mean like no i was only here so i could see you develop powers and now i have to do this and it's all over the place, but also we see the way he treats the Thraxans. These, I'm fairly certain that's their name. I, I, I'd have to look it up. These, this bug people, this race, and uh, the wacky hijinks he gets up with them because they have a very short amount of time. He's basically become their god emperor in like the span of a couple months. To the fact, to the point where spoilers, he has a child with one of them. How the heck the biology behind that works? Who knows? I'm not going to question. It. I'm not going to think about it. It happens. Yeah, Mark has a half brother now. Purple. Yeah, purple. But like to that point of, is it possible for him to be redeemed? I think it is because he's still alive. Right. I mean, uh, the way I look at, you know, I know there are very different opinions on this show. We did have that episode on Hell a while back. Like when I look at that, it's like, hey, you have your entire life to get right with God. You die. I think you're done after that point. But I don't want to say like I'm the, that's the only way you can ever think about that as much as I, I myself think that's the only way. Like, what, what is your point, point of view on that real quick? Oh, my point of view on that. Um, getting get real spicy. Uh, getting real spicy tonight. Ultimate redemption, final redemption. Um, oh, man. Uh, did not anticipate this. Um, my, <laughs> my theology here is I, um, I don't know. I know. I don't, I know what scripture says and mm-hmm. you can't get around what scripture says. The language of judgment and accountability is, um, throughout scripture. Um, it's clear, but what we also see, I think throughout scripture is a God who is merciful, a God who loves and a God who, um, seeks the redemption for all who wants all to be saved. And so my, my answer to this is, I don't know. Um, I don't know. And that's, I think that's the, so that's a cop out and I'm okay with it being, cop nope. out. but I, but I, uh, it's my hope that there's something going on larger than what I can wrap my brain around. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a cop out at all. That's something yeah. we're all going to have to come to the point of what do I actually think about this? Is it what my parents said it was? Is it what my old pastor said it was? Yeah. What do I think when it comes on this thing? And like, I kind of stayed where I started from the beginning but I had to go through a journey of like, do I legitimately think this is a thing? Yeah. Like how could a loving God allow this to happen? Or do I come to the point of, well, a loving God has given us choices, many choices beyond what we deserve. So when someone says no to him, like, and they say no till the end, well, what's he to do override their free will. And I'm a big free will and predestination guy. However the heck that works. I don't know. That's one of the things we're all wrestling through. We're all thinking through these problems. And we're not going to know until it's the end and we're there with him. Right. So I think, I think the language of judgment and accountability is, is true as as scripture expresses it. Um, And for me, that's always what I'm, I'm, I'm going to teach and preach and that's hard. Um, But also um, we, we see mercy and we see love. And so how those two things go together, I don't know the mechanics of fully. And so what I will always say is you got to get right. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you got to get right because not just, not just because of the eternal salvation question, right. But you got to get right because of your life will be better right here, right now. And that's what, that's what God's heart is, is for each of us. And for the impact you have on the people around you too. Correct. Right. Correct. Better to get right world, now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting to get there either tonight. It just kind of happened as I was like talking. It's like, oh, I should ask him that. So well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question though in, in the context of the show, right? Because M- Mark is having this coming of age, like trying to figure out who he's going to be, his identity as a superhero is how the st- show starts off before it sort of gets real dark. Um, but <laughs> is uh, you know, his, who he is? Is he going to? Is he going to be a Viltrumite? 
the way the cliffhanger of this second season that just stopped was, you know, the one of the one of the Viltrumites comes down and and captures his father, carts him off, and says he's going to be executed. And now, Mark, you have his mission. It is you are now stepping into this to take up the mantle. And how is Mark gonna gonna process that? Is he gonna make it his own? Is he gonna stay true to who he was before? How is he gonna? go through that. And, and from what I know about Invincible, there's a lot of that sort of uh, dialogue and discourse to come, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So uh, so we have, other, we have other topics to discuss tonight. For the sake of time, how would you rate this se- half season so far? Ooh, I'd give it um, 8.59. I mean, it's up there. It's, it's pretty good yeah. in terms of writing and, and base and, and things like that. Yeah, I'm stuck between like a nine and a nine five myself. I'm really enjoying this. Like the yeah. animation is stellar. The voice acting is incredible. The story is spectacular. Love yeah. Invincible so much. Yeah. But the, this, this show is going to struggle with pace, I think, as it goes forward, because I think the scope expands really drastically yes. in, what, in what is to come. But I, they're probably going to have to do more episodes per season, yeah. which is a, is a good thing. Yeah. Right. And they said season three is not going to be as long of a wait. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Because that wait between these last ones. Oh, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, it was rough. But uh, for you, your topic for tonight is the newest book in the Inheritance Cycle, which is Murtaugh, uh, shown on screen here by our lovely Vanna White. Uh, James is, okay, I have, I'm way behind. It has been so long since I've picked up a yeah. book in this series. Like, uh, yeah. from what I understand, this is a sequel after, what was the last one? The fourth yeah. one? It was called Inheritance. The fourth one was Thank called you. Inheritance. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. So, yeah, so this so this book is um was not expected. So when Inheritance ended, all the rhetoric was the book is sort of closed. We have reached the point of completion. If you don't remember how that book ends, uh big spoiler alert, the, the sort of the final enemy is defeated and Aragon wonders, Aragon's the protagonist of the series wonders. Okay, what is next for me? How do I fit here? What is what is my role going to be? And he ultimately ends up um, moving off sort of the continent and becoming to train the next generation of dragon riders. There's dragons, as you might be able to tell from the book. Um, in the series, kind of what it's all about. <laughs> but he trains them in a new continent because of the geopolitics of well, where where's our home base going to be? How's that going to benefit or detriment whoever is around me? Um, so it's it's a really interesting. Um, I read the the end of the last the, the fourth book before I read this one, um, just to sort of get reacclimated. And um, so this one picks up around um, sort of a really morally gray character in the series, Murtag. And Murtag is um, a very literally tortured character throughout the Inheritance Cycle. He's in it from the first book. He is one of Aragon's companions. There's some twists and turns along the way, and they become they move from friends to enemies, but they still they're still undercurrent of Aragon wanting to redeem this guy, wanting this guy to find redemption. He ends up becoming a dragon rider very unexpectedly um, in a twist throughout the series. Uh, So spoiler there. But this book picks up and centers just on this character. Aragon is not present in this book. Of course, he's referenced. It picks up about a year or two after the end of that series. And what um, Christopher Paolini, the author of this book, of the series has said is this is not book number five. This is book like four uh, B, um, and and book five is what will come after this. So this picks up on him. He's sort of in a self-imposed exile. Um, right at the end of the series, he finds a little bit of redemption, but has done some again some terrible things along the way. There was some basic. Um, basically mind control happening and he was forced to do some things that he did not want to do um, and is struggling with that um, is sort of in a self-imposed exile at the end of the book um, uh, he is going to exile and he is told by um, by one of the characters they've sort of invoked an ancient dragon sage to help them defeat this threat he is told if you encounter x y or z issue in your travels do not search out this thing do not go here um if if you sense this is happening don't 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 go run away um and so 
of course, this book, uh, he does find one of those places <laughs> and he does go on to poke the bear for the right reasons. Um, he, he senses it's a threat. Um, and so what unfolds across the book um, is really an opening up of this world again to a new set of stories. There's a threat that looms that's discovered in this book that is um, bigger than the threat of the inherent cycle and is potentially behind the original threat of the inherent cycle. And um, for me, I uh, love this book because first of all, there's a lot of it. It's a thick boy. It's like 600, 700 pages and it's easy to read. You can fly through it. Um, this series uh, for me was, was awesome as a kid because I mean, it's, this is derivative of the Lord of the Rings and he's admitted that. The author has but he sort of creates his own language and there's a fun magic system in this book and um, gets you thinking about language in some creative ways but this this character and his dragon in the main series undergo literal years of torture and manipulation and mind control and so this book is Paolini now more as an adult he wrote Aragon when he was 19 um, yep. So he wrote those books super young. So he's now older. And this book deals with themes of trauma and anxiety and mental health and how you sort of process and work through past trauma on your way um, to redemption, how you can sort of work through and become free of those things, um, even if they're still always going to be around. And so for me, that was the selling point of this book that really drew me in was how um, this author sort of explored those topics um, in the middle of a story that was also really compelling. And you wanted to find out what was what was going to happen next. So excellent. Well, like I said, it's been forever since I've read. Uh, what was the last book that came out? Like 2011, 2011. OK, yeah. 20. yeah. Uh, it's been over a decade since I picked one up. So I'm just struggling to remember what happened. Like, how, how did you feel about the ending of Inheritance? Like, is, were you satisfied as a reader? Did you want more? I didn't want it to end because I love it so much. Um, I was I was biased. Um, and I, you know, <laughs> when the first one came out, I, I mean, I remember picking up this book when I was like 11 or 12 years old, the first Aragon, and like just reading it through. When the last one came out, I was in college and I like woke up super early to drive to the Walmart, the town over, so I could like buy it first thing in the morning. Um, Excellent. Uh, so, so I'm biased, but yeah, I wanted more. The way that the story ends is Aragon sort of finds a creative loophole um, that I didn't find compelling when I was in college, but now looking back on it and having a little bit more life experience and confronting some things in my own life that are not so fun, um, I find it a little bit more compelling. Okay. Now you, you said that Murtaugh is basically like a 4B in the series. Do you, does it set up for a 5? Do you like have an idea of what things will happen there? Yeah, it's set up for a 5. Okay. I, I have not heard that announcement. He's, I don't think it's been formally announced. He's, he's talked around it in some interviews. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he's given himself some leeway, which is always smart. But yeah, yes. it's it's set up to where at the end of the book, um, uh, Aragon is sort of notified of the threat. In okay. a way, if it is real and present, which becomes clear that it is, he's going to have to come back. Something's going to have to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I do remember you basically kind of set up like his own little like Jedi order, essentially. Yeah, you right. know, yeah, yeah, Lord yeah. of the Rings, Star Wars, huge influences on Paolini. It's yeah. painfully yeah. obvious in the first book. He gets better over time right. without right. relying on the tropes and like, hey, this is going to be your Obi-Wan figure and so on and so forth. Yeah. I do enjoy this series. Uh, don't watch the movie. You're better don't watch off. The movie. <laughs> Just like uh, there is no movie in Bossing Say, there is no Aragon movie at all. And I was trying to think of a name place and I'm stuttering to find anything because it's not coming back to me. So I'm going to move on from that. Do it. Failed attempt at humor. Do, it. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add to Murtog? No. If you're a fan of the series, definitely pick up and read it. Um, you don't have to have read the books to read this book. So if you just want to check it out on its own, uh, you get enough in the introductory chapters to sort of make it still a compelling story. Um, and I, I find the protagonist Murtag to be super compelling. So um, it's complex. It's, it's good. So yeah, check oh, it out. Was it Murtag or Murtag? I, I never can remember how to pronounce it correctly. 
Well, uh, he's oh, is got, there a handy dandy pronunciation he, guide? He put the pronunciation guide in the back of the book. <laughs> so let me make sure I'm reading it right. Um, this is going to go on for too long. Yeah, it's Mer-tag. okay. Mertag. Mertag. Okay. okay. Yeah, my pronunciations are always wrong whenever I just look at a word written down. So I'm used to failure in that regard. But okay. that's why. Make, I was say, when you make up a language, I think you sound however you want to sound. Fair enough. All right. So our next topic of discussion is one I am very big on, and that is Spider-Man 2. I completed the game a while back, uh, 100% of it, platinum it, had an amazing, uh, not, not, pun not intended time, uh, amazing time with this game. Uh, James, you said before we started recording, you hadn't got the chance to play either one of these. So do you care about spoilers at all? No, go for it. Go okay. For it. So Spider-Man... The first game in 2018, I think it came out, was essentially setting himself up in this world in this new alternate reality, uh, setting up his relationship with Mary Jane, the two of them reconciling, uh, Miles getting bitten by the the other spider they had in that game, setting him up. Then Miles Morales, the game, came out, setting him up as his own hero, separate from Peter. Now, Spider-Man 2, you fight as both of them at different parts of the story, and you can choose between them, you know, in between missions, like... Hey, I just completed the mission as Peter. Let me go swing around as Miles. Same thing with Miles. Swing around as Peter. You go back it's and forth. Oh, yeah. A ton of fun. There's uh, the main crux of this is that Harry Osborn has come back into Peter's life. And this is after two or three years of them thinking that he was off in Europe getting special treatments. Come to find out he wasn't in Europe. His dad had him in like this back to tank, essentially, where he had bonded the symbiote to Harry oh. to try and heal the degenerative disease that he has. So he's able to walk around now because of the symbiote. However, in the course of the story, Craven the Hunter comes into the city, uh, almost kills Peter. Uh, Harry has found out he's Spider-Man at this point, gives him the symbiote instead to save his life. And now it views Peter as like the superior option of bonding with him. So Harry is like succumbing to his disease again, not being able to walk again. So setting up the huge conflict between the two of them, all while Miles is realizing, oh, Peter's kind of going off the edge here. The symbiote is affecting him. What do I do there? This story is amazing. I'm having a ton of fun. Like it's kind of a cliche to say, is it makes you feel like you're Spider-Man? Well, because it, it is. It it makes you feel like you're Spider-Man, swinging through the city, seeing all these different Marvel landmarks as well. Not as many as in the first game. Um, that's one of my gripes is that there's not as much. Uh, content as far as other superheroes as there were in the first game outside of like there's one mission where uh, the black cat steals the wand of Watum from Dr. Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum and Miles uh, confronts her gets it back and Wong doesn't appear on screen but like he magically teleports it away and leaves him a note and that's about it and then later on (laughs) (laughs) very very true that later on in the game uh Harry takes back the Venom symbiote, becomes Venom, and wreaks havoc through the city after killing Craven the Hunter uh, live in the middle of Times Square, like rips his head off off screen, thank God. But uh, there's a symbiote invasion and no one responds to it except for Miles and Peter. So it's kind of one of those things like one of the benefits of having a shared universe is that it's shared. Yeah. So no one else shows up. It's just one of those things, especially since Insomniac is also the game studio behind us is also making a Wolverine game. Yeah, I was expecting I was expecting him to show up at some point in time. Maybe they're saving it for a DLC. I don't know. But it's just kind of one of those things. Like I prefer that shared universe part. Like not to say that Spider-Man can't just have his own contained stories. Yeah. Like you know, when I pick up an X-Men comic, I don't want every issue to be a guest star showing up or you know a Daredevil or what have you. Like I would like them to have their own solo adventures. But, you know, that's a minor gripe compared to everything else. Right. Like when it comes to the story, the story's amazing. The combat's great. There's a very big difference between how, you know, Peter handles fighting versus how Miles does with his Venom Blast. It is a wild ride. Now, let me just move on to our questions real quick. And one of the thing kind of brought up here is that Peter, his work-life balance is horrendous. As per usual with Spider-Man, it's just what he does. Right. Yep. You start off the game with him becoming a teacher for the first time for Miles's class. Oh. And and the moment he does that, the Sandman comes through town, starts wreaking havoc, grows giant. He leaves to become Spider-Man, gets called by the principal who gave him the job and gets fired because he left the students. Yeah. That's so 
Which makes sense because obviously she doesn't, she doesn't know he's Spider-Man. You would hope that your teacher would protect the students like he's supposed to. But like and one of the things that's kind of brought up is here, how can Peter have that work-life balance? Like, is it even possible for us? Forget super heroics. Right. Can we have a healthy work-life balance? And if so, how can we, James? Uh, when I find that answer, <laughs> I will let you know. Um, I, I think the, the trick to it is, is, is good boundaries. And it's a trick. <laughs> yeah. It's a trick. So I, in, I feel like in Peter's situation, it's like someone should just pay him to be Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like he should be getting some money from somewhere. Like yeah. he needs to start up a GoFundMe or something. Like <laughs> uh, he should not have to worry about the things that we normal humans have to worry about. Um, oh, well, that's something that kind of you can bring up there too. And that, you know, pastoral work compared yeah. to different work is yeah. like you're, you're always on call. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, how easy is it to have that as someone who may or may not be going there? I'm still figuring things out seminary wise. If that's where God wants me, like that's something that's in the back of my mind. Do I really want to be in a job where I can't have a moment to myself? It feels yeah. like, even though you can, you can make it work because I know pastors who do, but like, mm-hmm. uh, and you're just starting off. I mean, you've been a youth pastor before, but like, uh, yeah. what are you doing? What's your new role in the new church? I forgot to ask that before. I'm, we started. I'm still pastor of youth. Okay. Um, yeah. So, like, how do you handle that as best as possible? Yeah, especially I live in a town um, that's kind of small, and I I work in a, a big church, and so every time I leave my front door, <laughs> there <laughs> is a high likelihood I'm going to see someone um, from my church. Um, it yes, happens, it happens more often than not, and so the switch flips, right? And the the work the pastor persona comes on, um, and that's not to say I'm faking it because it is who I am. Yeah, uh, but, you know, you you mind your p's and and q's and dot your i's and cross your t's a little bit more when you're when you're in public, and um, b- because for for many people that that persona uh, is the persona of the pastor is important for their faith, um, and that's a heavy that's a heavy responsibility, but. Uh, you have to you have to craft uh, time intentionally uh, to unplug and to get away. I think that's why the Lord gave us the Sabbath, um, and and let us uh, by example in taking Sabbath. Um, that's God did that in creation. Uh, Jesus does that um, throughout His ministry. Um, and talk about work-life balance. What about Jesus? He would probably for <laughs> asking that question. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's always going to be a trick. I think today our our world, our culture forces us to move at a ever increasing pace. You know, and it's like, when is it going to slow down? Why are we even like doing any of the things that we're doing? And so, uh, crafting some time in your day, or at least in your week, to sort of take a step back and just, you know, play this dumb video game or read a dumb book <laughs> or listen to a great podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or stream. Recommend uh, that one. Yeah. Definitely recommend that one is, is good for your soul. You know, um, it's good for your soul. So uh, work-life balance. I mean, the, the, the gift, the, and it can even be a spiritual discipline of saying no. <laughs> it's beyond me. I'm not Jesus. I can't do it all. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and if I'm going to burn myself out, then what good am I going to be in my ministry or in my job or, or whatever, whatever that is. And I think too, it's important when we go to Exodus and see how Moses really poorly handled the situation. It's like I'm taking care of everything, like wanting to do a good thing, but you know, Jethro's father-in-law like calls him out. It's like, Hey, you're just a dude. You can't do this all by yourself. You need other people you can trust. And that takes work uh, in that pastoral position of forgetting other things for a second. Like that takes a lot of work of trusting people, figuring out, okay, I can leave them to do their own thing without like micromanaging them or making them feel like you don't trust them at all. And then when it comes to other things in life, like it's a little easier for me right now to have more time, especially Mm -hmm. since I'm on winter break, I'm, I'm taking one class over the, over the break, but it's like one class. So I can pretty much do whatever I want. But there are times in school I've got to be disciplined. I've got it. There's got to be time to study, especially now that thank God I'm no longer in any language classes. I've passed them all. I, I'm done forever. Unless I choose to look at a word, I don't have to care. 
Good for you. It, you made it through the ordeal. <laughs> the <great ordeal. laughs> and you know what? The Hebrew, Greek, amazing, beautiful languages. I'm just dumb when it comes to, to studying them and understanding them. It's you know? part of the brain, man. It's hard. Yeah. But if I want to be a good student, if I needed to be a good student, well, I would spend the time away and I can't do it all in one session. Like it's like I did nothing at all. If I spend two hours reading Greek and then I go off to do something else and I come back later on the next day and it's like, what did I do yesterday? Well, that's not healthy. I need to figure out, okay, well, let's do it in these 30 minute sessions spaced out over a day. And, you know, I'll go play Kingdom Hearts or, you know, I'll watch this new horror movie that's just terrible and awful because I, I'm a bad person who has way too much time on his hands. And that's easy for me as a student. Like for those of you out there who are students, like that's something you need to figure out. Like what, when should I allot time to this? When I obviously always go to class, but like, when after class do I spend time studying? When do I spend time with friends, church, what have you? I mean, as someone who doesn't like planning things out, you got to plan things out a little better and say, like, you don't have to have everything down to the dot. You don't have to be the clock king. Just have an idea of how to get stuff done. And Anything else sure, you want to add to that? Yeah. Make sure in that calculation, uh, you got to you gotta make some time for God. And oh, yes. That's in your work life or that's in your school life or whatever. I know the times when I have been really intentional about plugging in and getting in scripture and just praying have been some of the most um, collected times in my life. I'm always I'm not always there. I don't always make time. You know? <laughs> We're all a work in progress. But when when you can do it, um, I think things start to slow down. Things start to make a little bit more sense. And, uh, you know, no better use of your time. Priorities. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So last question for this bit. One of the major things that's kind of brought up in the story is that Harry Osborne and Peter are working together. He gives them a new job uh, working with him to like, you know, make the world a better place. Like there was one thing in this uh, reality, like his mom was super into, you know, philanthropy and stuff like that. So using his dad's money, Harry is trying to heal the world. That's a phrase that's repeated over and over again. Now, obviously, you and I don't come from means unless you're hiding something from me. No means. Yeah. No, no millions of means from you. No millions of means. OK. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we can't use our money that way, like as much as we, we can still use money, obviously, but not in the same way that someone like Harry Osborne can in this universe. But like one of the best and most practical ways that we can heal the world. Now, that's a very large question I just asked. Ooh, yeah, no kidding. Um, how can we heal the world? I think uh, first and foremost, um, first and foremost for me, it goes back to that work-life balance question. Like when are you tapping in and resting and taking care of yourself and minding and investing in your relationship with God? Because if you're not doing that, right, like you're not going to be doing effective ministry. And uh, I use the word ministry very broadly, thinking that like what I do as a pastor is is ministry for sure. But like what my wife does as a data manager is is ministry, like her impact that she makes in that company, that comp the impact that, that company makes um, in the world. You know, um, it, it's all connected um, for me. And it's all, I think, you know, um, bit by bit as we sort of absorb uh, our connection, or Jesus teachings and our connection with God and put that on display. Um, I think that's how we begin to heal the world. Um, it's little by little, it's bit by bit and um, it's, it's slow progress. Um, and if, if we can, if we can get religious leaders to <laughs> maybe figure that out <laughs> that holistically, holistically, um, yes. We might we might be in a good place. So it's always a work in progress. Um, now, what are you yeah. I agree completely. You've got to start with yourself first and then you've got to figure out what your limits are. Like I bring up money. Money is a huge factor, obviously. Like we all need, you know, support to get the things done in our lives, to afford food, housing, so on and so forth. So what can I do with that money? Now, obviously, I'm in seminary. I need to spend that money on groceries and uh, paying off all my classes so that they don't kick me out. So it is not financially responsible of me to go to someplace like Compassion International and say, hey, uh, whatever the, the month per payment is for this child that lives overseas, I want to pay for them. That's a good thing in your heart to want that. And I know plenty of people who do. And Compassion is just like one example of that. There are plenty of other Christian organizations that do similar things. Mm -hmm. But it's not 
responsible of me because what happens if I do this for two or three months and I go, Oh man, I couldn't take care of that child. Like I thought I could, well, what's that child going to think? Oh, well, people are just going to give up on me. All this mess. Uh, same thing. It's like, Oh, I can, Oh, I have this much time. I can volunteer somewhere. And you find, well, maybe I don't have that time. And you've left those kids or those people behind and you go, well, well, thanks for showing up, I guess. That's not an effective use of our time. It's not the most practical way. It's like, okay, let's do an honest assessment of myself, where I'm at and what I'm capable of. And that could be like just starting at church and figuring out, hey, like, where can I volunteer? And there'll be, there'll be plenty of things that I'm not good at that I'll learn that I learned I'm not good at because I did them at church. And they say, hey, this wasn't for me. I'm not a greeter. I'm not a, I can't handle, you know, kids from this range teaching them because it's just not intellectually stimulating to me. It's not fair to them, but I can't handle like middle school and above. That's something I had to learn. So like there'll be failures along the way, but do it in a respectful manner, responsible manner. And I think a lot of things will be better and start small. Like Jesus didn't say, go to, you know, the, the Han empire. He said, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, then the ends of the earth. That's what we have to do. Yeah, for sure. Start small, uh, grow large, you know, and part of that, like, like you said, is discerning who you are, who you're created to be um, and how God is calling you, right? Like we all share a call um, to join in that mission. Um, but that looks, that looks different for each of us. Um, yes. Where, where's our place? What's our role? How can we uh, bring who we are and who God has made us to be? Um, into the into that work of, of healing the world. If we can if we can get everyone on that same page, um, if we can sort of learn to get out of our own way, right, the flesh that works in us, to use the language of the New Testament, um, discern <laughs> what is the will of God, what is what is building us up, what is tearing us down. Uh, yeah, we'll be on the way, but it's hard, and that's why the world's still oh, yes. a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> you have anything else we want to add for that before we move um, on? Okay, right, before I, I rate and re- go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Before I rate and review for Spider-Man two, I forgot to ask you what uh, your review was for uh, uh, Murtag. Murtag. My my review of Murtag. I'm going to give this, um, I don't give tens very often. I'm not going to give this done. Um, I'm a, I'm a hard grader. (laughs) I'm going to give this a solid um, 8.5. Okay. Writing was good. I thought it explored some good themes there were times when it did feel like we are lingering here a little bit too long. So a little bit of pacing issue for me, but, but, but I think it was fun. Um, and it reintroduces the world. It sets up what's next. And so, um, for this character, just a, as a character study, it was a really fun book. So, okay. Good. Okay. Now on to Spider-Man two, Spider-Man, like, like yeah. I said, had a, fun time with this game i have my gripes there are more than i had and i mentioned but like at the end of the day did i spend my money wisely on this game did i have a ton of fun absolutely yes this is like a nine yeah i'll say a solid nine for all the gripes i do have but man guys if you haven't played these games play these games they're a ton of fun i'm looking forward to the dlc whenever that releases it's just a grand old time the with first that, Spider-Man in this, in this series, it was like consistently rated of like one of the best games. Oh, ever. absolutely. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. This is a great way to get, like, get to introduce like the concepts behind the character. If you're, you want to know more about miles too, like uh, miles Morales is a great game as well. It's not, it's not as good as the other ones, but it's still pretty, it's a great game for him to like be on his, his own man mm-hmm. and all this love the series overall. So with that, James, out of the three that we had here, what is your top recommendation? top recommendation of all of these um i'm probably gonna have to go out of the three we've we've talked about with um probably with invincible okay Um, and that's just because um it's for me it's new i know it's been around for a while and the comics have been done for like ever and um but for me it's new i'm really super hooked into it right now and um it's ongoing so i'm almost always going to pick one that's (laughs) yeah one one that's ongoing but um i am excited to see what's next and i think um uh, a little bit more hooked into it than i am for murtag right now and i have okay yeah yeah i'll second invincible like love spider-man it obviously is my favorite character he's why he's my avatar but like invincible what's going on right now 
I'm loving what they're doing. I mean, I can't praise the animation enough. I can't praise the writing enough. It is amazing. It is spectacular. It's a lot of fun. Go watch Invincible if you got Amazon Prime. Uh, also as well, check out. Yeah, I'll say check out Monarch. It's not the best thing on this list, but it is a lot of fun for your us Godzilla heads. Yeah. Like love that series so much. So listeners, thank you all for listening in today. Uh, we really appreciate all you do. Just if you get a chance, uh, head to our uh, website, to see our shop, you know, other episodes that the hosts are on. Uh, you can join us on Discord to check us out, see what we're talking about there as well. We got to see a really nice photo of James and Will at the wedding, but I think that was for hosts only. So maybe you could become a host and see that one day. But for now, we'll settle for just having you in the Discord. Uh, if you get a chance to just check out our Patreon, see if you want to, if you really like us, you want to send money our way. You know, we're poor. We just can't do things without your help. We appreciate everyone who is a patron. Uh, but remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. Be sure to check out other Anazal Ministry Podcast AMP Network shows. You can see the whole network in a single feed if you're on Spotify or you could go to Apple Podcasts and find the Anazel Ministries Network podcast, the AMP Network Network. Yeah, there's just a network on Apple. You can follow the whole thing. You'll get shows like The Homily, where Pastor Will goes through his homily messages. It's literally just Pastor Will sermons, guys. It's great. You also get access to the Whole Church Podcast, where TJ and myself interview leaders from across different denominations and backgrounds to work towards a more full church unity. You can See My Seminary Life, where Brandon Knight discusses his experiences at seminary and then discusses seminary topics so anyone can have access to knowledge available to seminary students. You also can see Let Nothing Move You over there, where Christian Ashley goes through the Bible in a Bible study type fashion and explains the whole biblical narrative. I also have a show on there, The Dummy for Theology, where we discuss various theological topics in an attempt to show every side of the discussions, leaving you with more questions than answers. There's also the Bible After Hours, where the foul-mouthed preacher goes through the Bible from a more progressive view to challenge the status quo of the modern church. Finally, you can hear The Clydes, where Taylor and Elizabeth Clyde go through weekly discussions in a devotional conversational style method to help us all get closer to one another and to God.